Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Week two is in the books. Week three is on its way. This is Laces Out. Jared Bailey, Kurt Homiser with you as always. And Kurt, it was an eventful weekend as always. Um, one that saw a lot of guys go down. We're about to get into that. Uh, your Bills get a win. My Steelers get a win. It was a big weekend. How are you? I'm, I'm good, my friend. Uh, can't complain too much, like you said. I mean, any, any week that my Bills come away with a win is a good week. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Like you said, a very eventful week. Um, in some cases, not in the best way. We had a lot of injuries this week, a lot of injuries. And it was tough to, it was tough to watch. It was tough to see because, you know, a lot of these guys are big-time stars in this league. You know, a lot of potential, a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, they get the season-ending injuries, and it's just – it's an absolute killer. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like for those guys. But – it's tough to watch as a fan, even if it's not your own team. You know, you you love watching these guys play every week, and it's tough. It, it really is. Yeah, I mean, we see Saquon Barkley go down against the Bears with a torn ACL, and then the Niners lose two of their best defensive linemen, one of the best edge rushers in the game, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas. They're both down with ACLs. San Francisco is being hit <laughs> by that injury bug, mate. They lose Raheem Moser to a partially sprained MCL. Jimmy G goes down in the same game with a high ankle sprain. He's probably not going to play on Sunday when they go back to MetLife to play the Giants. Richard Sherman was already hurt. D Ford was already hurt. They're dropping like flies in San Francisco, and uh, eventually it's going to it's going to wear thin on their defense. And I think that when they go to New York, which we'll get into later, um, but they're going back to MetLife next weekend to play the Giants, the same field that they were all complaining about, which led to those injuries, according to them. Uh, San Francisco, uh, if if they don't get somebody to step up in the absence of these guys, it could be it could be a very long season. This uh, this could be, you know, it's only we're going into week three here, but we can look back here and you know if things don't if guys don't start stepping up for this team, I mean, we could see them maybe even having a losing season because you know Jimmy uh-huh. Garoppolo goes down. That's a that's a huge blow. Whether you think, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's a, a great quarterback or not, that's your starting quarterback that goes down. Your best player, maybe even one of the best players in the NFC, and Nick Bosa goes down. Solomon Thomas goes down. Raheem Mostert goes down. I mean, it's – George Kittle's already out, too. He, he, missed, yeah. he missed week two, and I don't, I don't know the severity of his injury. But, I mean, to watch this happen on a team this talented – you you got to start to wonder, I mean, does their GM just say, let's look look on the trade market here because we don't want to just throw away this season? Or, or I don't know, what, what do they do? Do they just kind of ride it out next man up? Or what do you think? 
I mean, that's really up to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. But, um, I mean, you know, Jimmy G, he's out for at least one game. I mean, a high ankle sprain, I don't think he's going to be playing this weekend. That's going to be Mullins getting the start against the Giants. So, it depends really on, I think, when Mostert and Garoppolo come back and Kittle come back. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if D. Ford and Richard Sherman are taking off IR soon. So, I mean, it might take a few weeks. Luckily, you know, they are playing a Giants team where, you know, they're without their best player. So, that's still a winnable game even without – all of the guys that are injured for the 49ers. But, you know, going on, if, you know, that defensive line, you know, Nick Bosta is one of the better pass rushers in the league. Solomon Thomas is a vital part of that line. So, luckily, they drafted Kinlaw, who's going to have to take a much bigger role on defense. Um, but already, they weren't looking great. Uh, obviously, they had that rebound game against the Jets. But, you know, week one, Kyler Murray kind of tore him up and uh, – I don't know, mate. It's uh, especially in a stacked NFC West where you got the Cardinals who are two and zero, the Rams right. who are two and zero, so and you know the Seahawks are two and zero as well. So they they were not the team I would have predicted. And obviously, these circumstances are hard to predict any, at any point. You never really think that you're gonna mm-hmm. that a team's gonna lose some of their best players all in one game. But they are not the team I would have predicted to kind of be the last one out in the nfc west right no not not at all i mean that that division is pretty fierce even the team you know the rams coming into the season we we weren't really expecting a whole lot from the rams they start 2-0 and against two pretty decent teams and um so you're gonna need to i mean could we see could we see the 49ers go from you know super bowl to last in the division i don't know it is only week two i don't want to overreact too much here but I mean, that's that those injuries are just the tip of the iceberg, it seems like. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, kind of the same thing as Jimmy G. Jimmy G he's got the high ankle sprain. Uh, that happened right at the end of their game. Uh, you know, he'll be out for a few weeks, they're saying. They don't know exactly, maybe, maybe three to four. Um, your Steelers just did a number on the Broncos, taking out yeah. Drew Locke. Uh, kind of a nasty shoulder injury there. Just yeah, left. he's got he's got an uh, he's got an AC joint. He'll be gone for two to six weeks. Denver goes out. You know, uh, Blake Bortles is the one who they signed, but Jeff Driscoll he didn't look horrible he uh, in relief of Drew Lockyer, and he's he was who stepped in for Stafford last year for the majority of the second half of of Detroit season. Uh, he played solid, you know, in the circumstances that were given to him, but. Um, so Denver signs Blake Bortles. We'll see if they decide to start. I, I'd imagine they would start Driscoll this week. I mean, you just he's, signed Bortles on a Tuesday. Yeah. He's not going to have. He's, time he's to get familiar ready. with the system. You know, he's been been around the team for so long. And um, yeah, I mean, is Blake Bortles going to really win you too many games? I can't imagine because your number one wide think... receiver in Cortland Sutton goes down for the year as well. The guy comes back for a game. He missed week one. He comes back for week two. All hopeful that he's going to have a great season. Then out for the season. I don't know what is going on with these guys. I think, you know, it's a lot of it has to do with no preseason games this year, no regular OTAs. These guys are just pretty much getting thrown into, you know, head-to-head battles with these grown men just hitting them as hard as they can. And uh, they're just not used to it. So, I mean, it's tough to see. Hopefully we, we see teams maybe take it a little easier. I doubt it, but we just hate seeing these injuries. You know, we, I don't want to see Saquon Barkley out for the season. I love watching Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. every week. And, I mean, all these guys, too. It's, it's, it's really tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, Denver's another team that's really gotten bitten by that injury bug. They lose Von Miller right before the season starts, and then they lose Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton. So, 
Uh, luckily for them, they've got a, a big variety of guys on offense that can make plays. I mean, Jerry Judy, you know, already looked at as one of the better young receivers in the game. K.J. Hamler made his season debut from Penn State uh, in week two against Pittsburgh. He looked really good. Noah Fant's looking really good. Even Tim Patrick, the guy who's really had to come up because of the injury to Cortland Sutton, mm-hmm. uh, he's looked solid. So, I mean, they've got guys on offense. It's just their offensive line allowed seven sacks on Sunday against Pittsburgh. So, you know, whoever does come in, if they don't have time to throw, then it's not going to make much of a difference, especially when you've got a division where Frank Clark's going to be coming in Kansas City. Bosa and Ingram are going to be coming in Los Angeles. The Raiders are looking good right now at 2-0. So for, for Denver, they're, they're kind of in the same boat as San Francisco, a team who had relatively high hopes this year uh, to make a push at a wild card spot in the AFC. And now they're, you know, they're staring down the pipe right now with a lot of injuries and a, a division where you know Raiders are 2-0, Chiefs are 2-0. The Chargers just put up a fight with a rookie quarterback who found out he was starting 10 seconds before kickoff. <laughs> They're sitting at 1-1 one one with a good defense. And if, if Anthony Lynn does the right thing and keeps Justin Herbert in, which it doesn't seem he's going to be doing, we'll talk about that later. But that's a division that's, that's not going anywhere either as well. So yeah. we got – I mean, it, it, was, it was a very, very interesting uh, week two for, for the good reasons and for the bad. But uh, we, got, we got so much football to break down here. And we got a lot of uh, a lot of guests coming on the show tonight. It's gonna be gonna be packed. It'll be a lot of fun here. And uh, our first guest joining the show today is Benjamin Raven. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How you doing? Oh, opening up with the Detroit Lions, some brave <laughs> souls over here. <laughs> How you doing? You got you got the Bryce Harper beard and hair going, man. Oh, you are man. living it up. I'm full pandemic look, blonde hair I to the see. shoulders, beard. Yeah. <laughs> People listening to the podcast are really missing out on, on all the glory here with the hair, but uh, it's it's magnificent. Um, but uh, Ben, we we try to get you on after after week one because it was a absolute heartbreaker for the Lions. Um, and you know, it's week two was was still a heartbreaker, but you know, it's the Packers, you know. But that week one week one loss was was real real tough. Um, I mean, how did how does the team, you know, rally around that? How do they come back and play another game? Just, you know, we're on to week two. We're ready to go after, you know, a, the rookie just just drops it right in the end zone for the win. It's it's that's that's tough to watch. Yeah, and it's uh, unfortunately it's the same questions we've been asking Matt Patricia for about two and a half years now. Is what the heck is going on with these double digit leads? What's going on with these games that you? grab a lead in I mean yeah week one was heartbreaking but week two after that first quarter it looked like Detroit might run away with that thing the rushing attack was not getting slowed down Stafford was barely even throwing the ball but just uh I don't know it's uh that is one inconsistent mess right there and that I mean that's exactly what it is I mean they are the preachers of next play the only play we're worried about is the next one you know I mean that's what it was today that's what it was last week that's what it'll be five weeks from now no matter what's going on unfortunately Now, you know, Kurt already mentioned the week one upset, but is Matt Patricia, how hot is Matt Patricia's seat right now? Because they fired Jim Caldwell after a nine and seven season. They bring in Patricia hoping to go to the next level and he's only won nine games since he's been there. So, you know, is he one of those guys that's maybe getting a little bit of talks about right now that if things don't turn around quick, he could be on his way out? If they're 0-4 going into that week five bye, it's an absolutely realistic conversation that, I mean, it's already coming up now in week two. I mean, it's the worst start in Detroit Lions history, and that's including a coach who went 0-16. That's unbelievable. 
I mean, it's a brand new owner. Sheila Ford Hamp took over for her mom in the off season. It's kind of setting up the way it did for Martha Firestone Ford. She fired the GM and uh, coach less than a year into her tenure. It's kind of lining up that way again. I mean, nine twenty four and one. Jim Caldwell got fired for winning nine games in the season, like you said. Ouch, ouch. I mean, it's being being a, a Lions fan is not easy, but um, you know, it's they do have hope. Every team has hope at the start of the year. We are, we're only we're only two weeks in here, guys. We're not and Kurt, we're not and Kurt you and yet. you and I. I mean, we've always been pretty high on Matthew Stafford, but he's been mm-hmm. without his number one target, Kenny Galladay. Ben, what can you tell us about Kenny Galladay's uh, progression and coming back from this injury? He's missed the first two games. What's his status look like uh, coming up for week three? We were told it's arrow up on Galladay, so I would expect him either this weekend or next weekend. Patricia said they're going to put him on the field in some practice situations and see how that goes. But, yeah, it's been a hamstring injury for a couple of weeks on him that slowed him down. We haven't heard much from it. But, I mean, yeah, it's hard to point your finger at Matthew Stafford here. I mean, he's yeah. missing Kenny Galladay. Yeah. And the, <laughs> right. I mean, it's an inconsistent. You come out the first two drives, you establish a run, you have some success running the ball with even on Johnson, mm-hmm. and then you kind of fall away from that and – there's no deep looks. I think Stafford's longest air completion was the 24-yard garbage touchdown to Marvin Hall. So it's like he's not even being able to get used the way that he dominated last year. So it's kind of like there's optimism left on that offense, but I'm seeing the same exact brutal problems on defense. I mean, two plays in the, the film watch today, it was like, what is this defense doing? <laughs> just like, I don't know. It's just that offense Did- might score some points, but yeah. <laughs> do you think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, Jeff Okuda wasn't playing in week one. His first game is to be assigned across from De- Devontae Adams. How much of a factor do you think that played into it? Oh, absolutely huge. I mean, that's a tough enough assignment, not even considering the fact that Aaron Rodgers had about 35 seconds to throw on every single <laughs> drop back. I mean, the Lions are blitzing three guys on just about, I mean, once again, same exact problem as last year. Worst pass rush win rate in the league by a mile. Um, they're blitzing at like the fewest rate in the league once again. And it's just like, you're really going to try and cover Adams and MVS and those tight ends that Aaron Rodgers is really clicking with. I wasn't expecting to that level, but uh, you're going to expect uh, Owarie and Okuda to lock those guys down. You're going to put them on islands. That's, <laughs> I, I, I just didn't get that. I, I didn't get that. And they get a little defensive when we ask about the blitzing. Well, we're blitzing. We're blitzing. You guys just don't see it in that way. It's just like, I'm not seeing it. The advanced stats aren't seeing it. I'm not seeing it in my rewatch of the film. I mean, if you're blitzing, you're got an invisible guy blitzing or something. Yeah. I mean, it's, Throwing, throwing a, a rookie, Jeff Okuda, yeah, he was, you know, a top five pick, but putting him on Devontae Adams is not going to. Not going to bode well there for, for old uh, Jeff Okuda, third overall pick out of Ohio State. So looking at the rest of this division, um, the Bears, what the hell is happening in Chicago? They're 2-0. and um, Not something that we would have expected coming out of the gates. So what do you expect uh, – from Chicago this year they go who are they play week three they've got the Falcons in Atlanta so um the rest of this division Chicago 2-0 what's happening yeah exactly what's happening the Vikings <laughs> don't even look like an NFL team at this point the Lions look like the Lions from last year and here the Bears are 2-0 with the Falcons and Colts up next with a very realistic shot to be 4-0 like I I, I just like I mean I'm not huge on this bear, Bears offense at all, even yeah. after seeing it in close enough living color in week one. I mean, the defense is the defense. And once Robert Quinn gets back and up to speed, that defense is going to be really tough to move the ball on. But I'm with you. I don't know what the hell's going on with these Bears because Mitchell Trubisky 
looked the worst I've ever seen him in week one, and they still won that game. I mean, he couldn't <laughs> hit Tariq Cohen on a screen pass two feet away from him, and then all of a sudden he's dropping dimes to Anthony Miller at the pylon. It's just mm-hmm. bit, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears are 4-0 by October 5th, and that's crazy to say. Well, you heard it here <laughs> first from, uh, from Benjamin Raven here that the Bears are starting 4-0. Watch out, league. Watch but, out. Um, I mean, the Lions are 0-2. They they should be one and one, but they are zero and two, um, and they got a another tough opponent next week because these red hot Arizona Cardinals are coming in with, you know, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and a surprisingly you know decent defense. Um, I do I think I kind of like Detroit's matchup with that defense. I think if anybody you know Matt Stafford might be able to expose them a little bit because I wasn't too high on Arizona's defense coming into this year. Um, but they've been surprising a lot of people, and Kyler Murray looks outstanding this year. So, I mean, another another tough matchup here for for Jeff Okuda. Welcome to the league, my friend. But what what are you thinking for for week three here? Can can the Lions pull off the upset here? Um, if Kenny Galladay is back and he's actually Kenny Galladay on Sunday, I think the Lions can keep up points wise. Because, like you said, I'm not that high in Arizona's defense. You know, those cornerbacks outside of Peterson, I think the Lions can get some points on them. But uh, yeah, the Lions are missing a lot of tackles right now. They're not getting a pass rush. They're struggling to cover anybody. They're one of the worst tackling teams in the league. And Kyler Murray is running with a level of confidence I haven't seen since he was at Oklahoma. So it's, he looks slippery than ever. So it's like, I, I don't know. I'd be buying some fantasy stock in Kyler Murray this week and not to go fantasy, but like I, he could run for a hundred and throw for 300 the way that this Detroit <laughs> defense looks so far. So other than that, yeah, the lines are doing great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, hope, yeah. I hope we get a ton of uh, Lions listeners in on this show because their, their hopes are really going to be high after listening to this, I think. Well, I mean, to quote our, our good friend, Mike Tanier, Kyler Murray right now is eating lightning and crapping thunder. I mean, the things that the Cardinals are doing, um, now, this is a team that, Kurt, I mean, you and I were kind of iffy on depending on their defense, and Kyler Murray's kind of made up for that. They looked good against San Francisco. They looked really mm-hmm. good against Washington. Kyler Murray's playing like an MVP candidate. Um, but that said, one, bet the over uh, for Arizona-Detroit yeah. on, on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, Kenny Galladay, uh, we talked about it a month ago, Ben, when you were here. This is a guy who has the potential to be a top-five receiver in this league. You pair him with Marvin Jones. If this offense gets healthy, they're going to be able to put up points, especially against an Arizona defense that, while the offense has kind of made them look a little bit better than they have in the past few weeks, it's still a defense with holes in the secondary. Um, It's a team that they can put up points against. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the big thing, Detroit's defense needs to force a turnover. The only turnover of the season they forced was the strip sack on Trubisky that Chicago still scored on the next drive anyway. So it's just like <laughs> I, they're not turning it over. I know it's, it's like I'm probably like one of the more positive guys on this beat too because it's, <laughs> it's, it's doom and gloom out here in Lions land already. I made a joke on the radio today. It's already week 16 here. So uh, just uh. – but I, I don't know. I. Yeah, I would definitely bet the over this weekend, but just that matchup, I mean, Kyler Murray's able to extend plays, and you don't even need to extend plays against Detroit's defense so far. And I mean, <laughs> the, the injury that's not getting talked about is kind of Nick Williams on the interior defensive line, because then that kind of forces Trey Flowers to go inside, so you're not even getting Flowers on the edge. I don't know. There's there's so many injuries, and the defensive results are I mean, it's 2019's defense all over. <laughs> and, I mean, we, we saw, you know, we talked about it, the, the heartbreaker in week one with DeAndre Swift. But um, this guy's coming into the league with arguably, you know, one of the 
best running backs of all time, Adrian Peterson, you know, looking over his shoulder, telling him what to do. What have you seen from DeAndre Swift? Because, you know, I'll be honest here. I haven't watched the full Lions game yet, but um, I've seen highlights. I, I've, I've kept up with the team. What have you seen from DeAndre Swift? You know, was he, was he worth the, the high draft pick there? Is, is he going to – it's only week two, only going into week three here, but is he going to be that number one feature back for the Lions? Um, as long as these guys are running the team, it's going to be a running back by committee. Like the, the splits running wise are like nine, five and seven from Adrian Peterson to carry on to Swift, but Swift is going to, I mean, he's going to get five targets a game. It looks like out of that backfield, they really want to utilize him in that Theo Riddick, Alvin Kamara role. And there's a role for him here because I mean, people are going to remember that drop in the end zone in week one, but this mm -hmm. kid's got hands. Like I, he, I thought he looked really good as a receiver on his routes. Even last week, I think he was all clean, five targets, five catches, 60 yards, something like that. Mm -hmm. he, he's got the ability to really stack some points or in uh, some stats in the passing game. Yeah. He's our buddy, Benjamin Raven, Detroit Lions beat writer, Ben. We always appreciate your time. Hoping for better things from the Lions in the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. And we will talk to you very soon, my friend. Absolutely. Maybe we'll have something positive to talk about. <laughs> we'll Seriously, get you on after a Lions win. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. All right. Talk to you in December then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lots of positivity from Benjamin Raven there. Thank you very much, my friend. And uh, now we're, we're moving on to the next segment of the show. I told you we were going to be uh, jam-packed with lots of talent here. Uh, our good friend, Dan Lobby, welcome back to the show. Cleveland Browns uh, beat reporter. How you doing, my friend? Hey, guys, how are you doing? I know that feeling very well. Well, hey, yeah, but, uh, the, Browns, the Cleveland Browns got one. They got they, one. Yes, they did. They, uh, they beat the Bengals, as they should, and all, all is right in Cleveland. <laughs> is it, though? Because uh, it because. Seemed they were, they were five points away from not beating, you know, the, the rookie phenom Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who I will say we've talked about it, Jared, you and I broke down that game, but I was very impressed with, with Joe Burrow there. And I will be honest, I'm not too impressed with that Cleveland Browns defense. Um, it's, it, it looked a little, little shaky at times there. So I don't know. I mean, you're, you're the expert here, Dan, what are you, what are you seeing from that defense? That's the big area of concern, and they're hoping they're going to get three guys back this week at Mac Wilson at linebacker, Greedy Williams at corner, uh, Kevin Johnson, who they've been counting on to be their slot guy. He'll be back this week. They're hoping that that's going to kind of fix things on that defense. I'm not sure if any of those guys really are going to make a huge difference, but at least having guys you, you thought were going to be starters back on the field uh, is going to help this defense. But you're right. Uh, it was concerning what they gave up to Joe Burrow and, and the Bengals, and of course that a little backdoor cover there at the end. I'm sure it made some people very happy or very unhappy, depending on what I was one of those happy people, yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it's just hard to judge this team because they lost to the Ravens, one of the best teams in football, and, and then they beat the Bengals, who are going to be one of the worst teams in football. It's really hard to judge where this team is right now. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we saw the week one game against Baltimore, which turned into really, really an ugly game real quick. But – I mean, you mentioned it. One, we talked about it before, how Grant Delpit's gone for the year. Greedy Williams wasn't playing in the game. So they were missing. I mean, they're starting the three of us at cornerback and safety against Baltimore. So um, obviously Baker didn't play the best against Baltimore, but the long pass to Odell Beckham, it looked really nice. It seemed like Kevin Stefanski was doing exactly what we had talked about, establishing the run, making that kind of the focal point to open up the pass game. What have you seen from the offense? And does Baker Mayfield and, you know, the, kind of establishing the run first is that kind of the direction that we think that they're going to be going in 
They really have to. And in the first half of that game, it was a lot of play action. It was a lot of design bootlegs, things like that. And, and the Odell play, for example, they got everybody moving one direction, got the matchup with Odell one-on-one uh, -on, -one on the other side, and Baker took advantage of it. In the second half, there wasn't quite as much of that. Part of that was they were really just leaning on Chubb and Hunt to take them home. Uh, but that's when Baker threw the interception. And, and it was not a great interception in the end of that game when, when the Bengals were still hanging around. So it's just becoming more and more clear that at least right now with Baker Mayfield, you got to move him a little bit. You've got to use play action. You've got to try and make things a little bit easier for him. You can't just drop him back in the pocket and, and have him try to read the whole field right now. Yeah, and I mean, you said it's it's going to be tough to – you know, gauge where this team is at because they lost the, one of the best teams and then they beat one of the worst teams. So these next three weeks are, are I would say, pretty winnable for, for all three games. You know, they're, they're playing Washington next week. Uh, then they go to Dallas, who Jared and I are not ever really too high on Dallas here. And then they play the Colts, who are kind of another mystery team there. So the Browns could really get it going here. They could really, you know, win, win some games, get some momentum here before they, they face the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that would be huge for them, you know, coming into uh, a Steelers game where, you know, they're, they're four and oh from, from week two on. And they might make, they might be able to make some noise because the Steelers didn't look too great there, Jared, on, on Sunday. There, there are some question marks going on a couple of times on the field, but we'll get into that in a little bit. We're, we're focusing on the Browns here. Um, <laughs> but I, I was, I'm still trying to convince myself. I'm trying to be convinced on Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I love the guy. I really, really hope that he can be the guy in Cleveland because I think he has the talent. I think, you know, he's, he's just got he's to gotta work at it, and he's got so much talent around him. I love these running backs. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt are just outstanding, and I really like that offensive line too because they're just a brick wall in front of them. Um, I mean, could we see Nick Chubb run for over 1,500 yards this year and uh, Kareem Hunt be right behind him? Because if they focus on that, I don't really see how it's not going to happen. I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out with, with, with these two backs. They're that good. And when we saw the other on Thursday night what you can do when, you know, you pound Nick Chubb for three quarters and then when you want to run the clock a little bit and <laughs> maintain possession, here comes Kareem Hunt, former rushing champ, He's fresh. He's, you know, he's still young. It's not like this is some former rushing champ that did it 20 years ago. You know, he said he was a rookie in 2017 and, and you kind of under, because of circumstances ended up with him on your roster. Uh, this, this combo is really unbelievable to watch. And Hunt looks like he's in the best shape that he's been in at least since his rookie season. And I think there is potential that if they keep pounding the football, maybe you do have 2000 yard backs in, in this backfield. And the scary thing is, we haven't seen them really try too much, but both on the field at the same time. And for all the bad that Freddie Kitchens did last year, <laughs> this offense was really dangerous when those two were on the field together. And that's with Kareem Hunt coming off an injury, coming off a suspension. Now you've got him completely healthy and in great shape. I, I want to see what these two can do on the field together. It seems and like since Odell Beckham arrived in Cleveland, there's been rumors about him possibly being moved. It's been denied up and down the organization. What's the word right now on him and his future in Cleveland? I just think you move him with caution if you make that decision. And, you know, you, you harken back to what happened with David Njoku, who requested a, tr a trade in July, and they held their ground and didn't move him. If you're going to do that with Njoku, uh, and, so, and Odell obviously hasn't requested a trade or anything at this point, but even if he did, uh, you know, you're, you're going to try and hold your ground as much as possible. I, I just look at this receiving core, and there isn't another guy that can make the plays that Odell Beckham can make. You can say that about a lot of receiving cores. 
But if you remove him, you've got Jarvis Landry, who's really good, but he's not a downfield threat. Mm-hmm. And now you're getting into guys like Kaderil Hodge. I don't even you guys know who Kaderil Hodge is, <laughs> but he's his uh, So you've got to have a guy like Odell Beckham that can be a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands, but can also stretch the field uh, and make plays down the field like he did on Thursday night. Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, the rest of Cleveland. Just I believe they drafted Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan. That's another guy on the course. So, I mean, it's not – I don't want to say they're top-heavy because Peoples-Jones was – one of the higher regarded mid round talents in the draft, but I mean, with Odell, it just seems like it's been a question forever. And I just don't seem to get one, why the offense hasn't been as productive as it should be with him. And two, why he just can't seem to get his own production going. And and I'm kind of a firm believer that you look at this like a basketball team. Uh, You know, if, if you have to give up a player or two to get Odell an early touch and the same with Jarvis Landry, I say you do it because I think when those guys touch the football early, it's like a big man in basketball. Maybe you don't love to throw it in the post too much, but if you get that big guy a touch, he's going to get you some rebounds. He's going to do some other stuff on the defensive end. I wouldn't be opposed to burning a player too, just to get some easy touches for Odell and Jarvis Landry early, because those guys are always just so much more engaged when they go get those early touches, you know, they get a big gain here or there. They get to dance around a little bit. And (laughs) those guys are always a little more engaged when they get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, And, you know, Jared and I were talking before, before we started the show here, how, you know, the, the injury bug just seems to be hitting the league like we've never seen it before. Um, you know, luckily, Cleveland didn't didn't sustain any anything too crazy this this past Thursday. But what are you hearing from from the injury report from the team with the guys that have been down? You know, there, there's obviously some serious injuries on that team. But um, are the Browns going to get any guys back this Sunday? Are they going to be able to, you know, regain some of that talent that they've been missing out on for the first two weeks? But they're, they're hoping to get those three defensive players back, you know, Greedy, uh, Mac Wilson, Kevin Johnson, who really should be their slot guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Olivier Vernon missed last week's game. Uh, they, you know, they need to have him back on the field, but he's the guy that has missed time throughout his career, especially over the last few years. Uh, another veteran defensive end, Adrian Claiborne, who actually played 18 snaps on Thursday before he got hurt, but he was really good in those 18 snaps. You know, you'd like to have him out on the field if, if Vernon's not going to be out there. But really, they haven't had that major injury that's kept somebody out for, you know, a significant amount of time or is going to keep someone out for the, a significant amount of time. So they've been pretty lucky on, on that front. Right tackle is one thing to watch. Jack Conklin missed the last game, uh, and they went with Chris Hubbard over there. So that, that's just a spot to keep an eye on. And we talked about the defense earlier. Probably the biggest weakness outside of a depleted secondary was their linebacker position. Joe Schobert no longer there. Has there been a guy in your eyes who's kind of emerged as one of the top guys in that linebacking court? No, and, and that's one of the problems with the defense. <laughs> they're, they're counting on, on a guy in B.J. Goodson. It's been a little bit of a journeyman. Uh, Sione Takitaki, if anybody remembers him from his BYU days, he hasn't done a whole lot uh, for this team. You know, Mac Wilson, like I've, I've mentioned him a couple times, he's coming back, but I don't really know what he is yet at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. He had some moments as a rookie, but I just don't know. So there's still as many question marks in that linebacking core as there were to begin with. And then even, you know, the guy they drafted, Jacob Phillips out of LSU, started the opener against Baltimore, but he's hurt now. So we, we aren't exactly sure when he's going to come back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you better knock on wood right now because you, you said that the Browns don't have any injuries right now, right. any season any injuries. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Some, something is lurking out there because there's just something in the water with these guys. And we hate to see it. Uh, we, we really do. But uh, before we let you go, we we gotta we gotta break down a little bit week three here because 
Uh, Washington surprised a lot of people. Washington surprised a lot of people when they beat the Eagles week one. Uh, they, they lost last week to Arizona, but Cleveland's coming in, you know, off a win. Washington's coming in off a loss. Uh, new head coach with Ron Rivera there. It's, it seems like, you know, Cleveland's got a little bit of an edge here, but Washington's maybe a little bit of a sneaky team. So wh- what are you seeing here for, uh, for the Cleveland Browns in week three? Well, you know, I, I think the Browns should be able to win this game. But what I'll be worried about is if the defense gives up long drives to this Washington team because they just haven't been able to do that outside of a couple garbage drives against Arizona when that game was over. Uh, you know, against Philadelphia, they really only scored when they had short fields to work with. Same against Arizona early in the game. Uh, if, if they're getting the ball at the 25-yard line and putting together long drives, long touchdown drives against this Browns defense, then I'm going to be really concerned because that's something that Dwayne Haskins just hasn't been able to, to engineer you know, I'm a little worried about Baker Mayfield against that pass rush, too. Chase uh, mm-hmm. Young can, can make Baker look skittish if, if he's getting after him back there. So, yeah, I hope they're able to deal with that. But, uh, you know, I'm expecting the Browns to win this game. If, if they want to be considered, you know, one of the seven teams that can make the playoffs, you got to be able to beat a team like Washington. He is Dan Lobby from Cleveland.com. Dan, we always appreciate your time, my friend. We will talk to you soon. Open for well, I guess I'm not really hoping for a victory for your Browns as a Pittsburgh <laughs> guy, but for your sake, let's hope that they do well and stay healthy. So, thank you for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Dan. Right. There he All is. Right. We we've had that's only that's only part one of our show here, pal. We got uh, we got some more fun coming up in part two after a little bit of a commercial break. But um, I mean, man, I feel bad for Benjamin Raven. I feel bad for the Lions. Here's the thing. I, I love Ben Raven. He's such a bro and he makes me laugh every time he comes on here. But yeah. Um, and you know that Detroit was a team I was very high on coming into mm-hmm. the season. I had them as a nine and seven team, but I also had them starting off slow. I had them going one and one. I thought they would beat the Bears and they should have. Um, but the beginning part of their schedule isn't exactly the easiest. I'll say it right now, though. I think they go and I think they beat Arizona on Sunday. I will say that. So I'll okay. full prediction right now. There I'll, it give, is. I'll give the Lions a win against uh the cardinals on sunday are you gonna, um, to go are you to gonna stick with that as your week three pick as we uh you know go further in the season here we we got our weekly picks we're not doing it quite yet we have uh our pregame show for week three coming up but are you gonna you gonna stick with the lions there we'll we'll see if, uh, if that's one of my official picks <laughs> now, but um yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to lean scared. towards it, at least right now. So okay. we'll, we'll, right. See, we'll see what happens when we get to Thursday. But we got Matt Perino of the Bills coming up next uh, after a word from Anchor. This is Laces Out. We will be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jared Bailey from Laces Out. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. You don't got to pay anything to use Anchor. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, welcome back to Laces Out, everybody. As we continue our tour around the league, we bring in Buffalo Bills beat writer Matt Perino. Matt, good to talk to you, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me in. Absolutely, yes, Matt. I am, I am stoked to have you on the show because Jared doesn't let me talk about the Bills enough. So now we have a good 10, 15 minutes here to just talk about my Buffalo Bills. So thank you for coming on. Oh, no problem. And obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating a lot more 
requests for Bill's talk in 2020. I would assume so because I think I think when you know the team is starting off one and three, you're probably not getting. You're just getting a lot of people coming at you saying, "What's wrong with the Bills? Why can't you fix them?" But you know now we're two and zero oh and. Josh Allen is leading the league in passing and just looking like an MVP candidate here. Um, yes, granted, it was the Jets. It was the Dolphins. But, Matt, I mean, I know for myself at least, this guy looks like a completely different quarterback. He looks like, you know, a brand new guy from last year. He just looks so so much more, you know, poised in the pocket. He looks like he's got the touch on the deep ball. And it's it's showing. It's proving all that hard work that he put in in this offseason because he has looked fantastic in both games that he's played so far. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I want to just, you know, dial that back a little bit because, you know, I think we pick and choose when we want to talk about the, you know, strength of opponent, depending on who we're talking about. You go back to last year, Lamar Jackson's MVP season, and he came out and he absolutely throttled the Dolphins and mm-hmm. everybody it was off to the races. Um, yeah, are, are the matchups going to get tougher? No doubt about it. But what Josh Allen did specifically Sunday, but how he's looked in 2020 so far is, you know, the, the step forward that I think a lot of, you know, enthusiasts, if you will, uh, thought that w- this was the kind of step that I think a lot of people thought he could take. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to have, a slew of weapons at his disposal now. I mean, Stephon Diggs has come in here as anticipated and completely changed the complexion of this offense. He's changed everything for John Brown, for Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, when he's uh, been been out there. Obviously, he's in the concussion protocol right now. And then, you know, this running game, which, you know, Devin Singletary, back to where he was a year ago, 5.6 yards of carry last week. And I expect that to uh, continue to improve as they get Zach Moss more integrated in the offense. But, you know, the, the coolest part for Bills fans is this is just the beginning of, you know, this is what you want to see. You want to see a baseline level of uh, not only competence, but playmaking ability and pushing the ball down the field. Seven of eight on, on passes, 20 or more yards down the field, 46-yard touchdown pass. I mean, <laughs> the, he's, he's showing flashes of what he showed in his rookie year uh, at times when he, you know, it was Robert Foster then who really – uh, got going, but yeah, all good things right now for Josh Allen and this Bills offense. Matt, I would just like to point out you're now welcome on the show anytime that you want after that comment about Lamar Jackson. So <laughs> welcome, officially welcome to the club. So, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, you and I have talked about this literal exact same thing before, and you made you know the little Twitter video about it. Um, how we do pick, not we, the media pick and pick and choose what when they want to judge strength of opponent because last year, like Matt said. It was the Lamar Jackson show and every media outlet, every morning show was talking about how great he was after the 49 to 10 thwarting of Miami. But when Josh Allen does it, it's, well, it's only the Dolphins who are better than they were last year whenever Lamar Jackson did what he did to them. So, yeah, I think that we can all be on board with that. Josh Allen looks incredible. He's leading the league in passing yards. Stephon Diggs had a big day the other day. And you're going to join my power rankings later with where I have your Buffalo Bills, Kurt. So All right. um, I, I, I'll let, yeah, yeah. I'll let you kind of take over from here though. Cause I know you have a lot that you want to say. Oh, I, I, we could have a whole show about this. I mean, I, I, I love talking like about that. that. Wouldn't you? I would, but uh, I know that's not, not, not the basis of our show and we don't have Matt for that long. Um, but Matt, what are we, what are we hearing around the team here? Because there was some pretty, pretty serious, not serious injuries, but big blows to the team last week. Uh, and losing uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, along with Delshawn Phillips, too. 
three linebackers that are just out of the lineup and two guys got to get pulled up from the practice squad. Was there a little panic, you know, in, around the roster there, uh, trying to figure everything out? And are we going to have these guys back for, for week three going in against the Rams? Yeah, I think that what Sean McDermott does a really good job of is keeping the composure of the roster. No matter what happens week to week, he bangs this drum, uh, you, know, you, you know, one day at a time, you know, get 1% better every day. And they're cliches that, you know, a lot of us kind of roll our eyes at. But inside the building, they work because when moments come along, you know, of adversity like they faced last week without Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, you know, you lose your two starting, you know, burgeoning star linebackers, you know, that's a big loss. And you saw that in what happened in that game, the way Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to attack, especially, you know, in that slot over the middle. Mike Gusecki looked like an like Rob Gronkowski in his prime. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was unbelievable, and you you could you could feel the you know the uh, those two missing out there. And Tyrell Dotson, the rookie, AJ Klein, they did what they could. I thought Dotson had a couple splash plays, uh, had a nice tackle for a loss, had a nice um, almost close interception on third down where he knocked down a ball. He played pretty well, but is a second year undrafted rookie from last year. So I mean. There's only the expectations can only be so high. I think that Tremaine Edmonds is probably the guy that I would lean towards. You know, we tomorrow we'll get out to practice and we'll get a good idea of where we're we're starting off with with the two of them for the week. We'll see if Tremaine Edmonds can practice. He practiced limited last week, Wednesday and Thursday, and then he missed mm -hmm. Friday and they ruled him out. I'm wondering if maybe he was, you know, he could have played in, in a dire situation and they just held him out to be as a precaution to get ready for this week because this week. They're going to need at least one of those guys because right. you, you look at what Tyler Higby has been doing the last couple of weeks. Cooper Cup is one of the most dangerous slot receivers in the NFL. They're going to need that kind of uh, help for Taron Johnson, Saran Neal, Dean Marlowe, whoever ends up, you know, working in, in that slot, that nickel package. They're going to need help. And Tremaine Edmonds is so long, so fast, so quick. Getting him back would really change the dynamic there, give him a, a better chance to contain that. Um, but, yeah, I think a hamstring injury is always tough. I think Milano missed one game with a hamstring injury last year, and that's good news. Maybe they can get him back, too, this week. Uh, but I think he lost a couple uh, couple games, either in 17 or 18. I can't remember. He's dealt with them over the course of his career, and it's, 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 it's happening all over the league. You know, yeah. these soft tissue injuries are really uh, – and, and we knew this was going to happen with the way that this restarts had to happen. And it's a COVID year. we got to deal with it. I mean, I just saw – I don't know if you guys saw, but – the NFL announced that from the 13th to the 19th last week, I think it's like something like 40,000 tests, uh, COVID tests, not one positive COVID yeah. test in the entire NFL. That's awesome. And listen, listen, I'm not about to get political here with you. I'm just about <laughs> to get factual with you. Like masks work. Like yeah. I'm just telling you, like everywhere you go in the facility, like whoever you see, they have a mask on. Mm -hmm. And like, so I feel like the NFL is really kind of, you know, performed a service because they're the first league to really go at this thing outside of a bubble. Like mm -hmm. baseball, I, I, this, the numbers are a little bit smaller and we saw how bad things got early on for them. Mm -hmm. It seems like they've fixed things a little bit. Um, but that's great news because, hey, man, we're all football people and we, we, want, we want the season to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, have we, you know, I, I know that they, they announced for the first two weeks, at least no, no fans of the Bills games. Um, but I know Bill's Mafia is clawing at the walls to get in there. And I saw something that said, you know, that the Bills are going to, you know, explore their options here to see 
possibly do something like what Miami did because Miami did have fans. Uh, and it, we've seen it around the league. I mean, we saw the Browns have, I think, around 6,000 fans in their games. And I haven't heard anything, uh, any negative things that come about this. So, I mean, I'm sure, sure that the owners would love to be able to get some fans in the stands here. Are, would we see that possibly for their third home game or later down the road, do you think? Yeah, I'm really interested to see if there's any developments on this front this week. Because, like, I know they, they announced that the two games were going to be without fans. But I'm really wondering if with how good the numbers are in New York mm-hmm. and the fact that you could really open things up to just your local season ticket holders yeah. and say, hey, if you are you know in Buffalo and you haven't been traveling, you can buy a ticket. You can come to the game. We could do 13,000, 14,000 people. Just that. I mean, they, they were doing some um, – some recon uh, out in Miami with how they were, you know, working on things and how it worked for them. And I'm sure they could talk to other reps from different teams, like you mentioned, Cleveland and, and some other cities. Yeah, man, I really hope so because I got to tell you, just looking out into the stadium the other day the, the, for the opener and we, the press box, yeah, it's elevated. So you could see the entire empty stadium and hmm. eh, it's just not the same, but whatever, man, I, I don't even want to complain because as long as we continue to have football, I mean, Exactly. Uh, I got a job, so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the Cowboys had 21,000 at their home opener in Jerry World. Mm. So, uh, and we saw the Chiefs, they had 16 or 17,000 a week one. So, I mean, we're seeing, you know, a few teams kind of pick up the pace in terms of allowing fans in. So, I think that's going to become more of the norm around the league, what we get, you know, between whether it's 6,000 or whether it's 20, you know, I think we're going to start getting fans for the most part um, outside of the teams who have pretty much ruled them out for the season. Uh, having fans, but uh, look, Josh Allen looks incredible. Um, the offense looks really good. Is it still their division to lose? Because we saw how good New England did. Did we lose? Oh, did we lose Uh-oh. Matt Perino? We might have lost Matt Perino. Maybe, I think we lost Matt maybe Perino. Maybe he had enough of you. I don't. Maybe he he didn't want to talk to you or something. But uh, maybe yeah, maybe I was praising the Buffalo Bills as, <laughs> as no, it's because it's, it's because you brought up uh, the New England Patriots. I think that's why. Maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. Don't I get think, me wrong. I think he's about to come back in here. I think. Okay, my perfect. Bad. My bad. We, we got him back. <laughs> I, I thought it was because Jarrett started bringing up the Patriots. He didn't want to talk about it. But, no, uh, no. I, I lost you at, uh, yeah, right when you started talking about the Patriots. Go ahead. So, go ahead. To, to the both of us, at least, this is still by far the Bills division to win. I'm going to assume that you're in the same boat with us, even regardless of what we saw from New England on Sunday. Yes, only because – Two things. Number one, I really don't think that defense is as good as it's been in years past. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that the Bills, there, there's some questions, obviously, you know, giving up 28 points to Fitzpatrick and the, and the, the Cowboys, I think was a little concerning. But when you, you talk about missing those two guys, I mean, those are huge components of their defense. And so I'm going to kind of give them a pass on that. But the way – and listen, Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that he was able to have some success. But I just think that with the losses that they've had, you know, in, in the middle of their defense, and who's rushing the passer for, for New England now? I mean – You and I, I are rushing the passer in New England, Matt. You and I. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I think everything that Cam's done so far, man, I'm so happy. Because the good Cam Newton is great for the league, and it's great for this divi- this division. I mean – if Miami and the Jets are going to be kind of, uh, you know, bottom of the league teams, which it's kind of trending toward, I still think Miami is going to be better than their, their record shows early on. I think that, you know, you want that, that, that to be a good rivalry. And, but I think that I'm with you. I think the Bills, for me, I think that their roster is better from, from 1 to 53. 
And I think that they right now, I know this might be crazy to say they have the better quarterback. Like I know Cam's playing great, but I, I think Josh Allen has played probably better than anybody not named Russell Wilson so far this year. And, you know, it's still Patrick Mahomes. He'll, he'll come back. He'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll have some amazing seasons. Nobody's a bigger fan than Patrick Mahomes than I am. I love watching that guy play the game. He's so fun. Um, but, the, you know, there's so many weapons here. My question is, when you, when you run into a defense that can scheme for what Cam does as a runner, and in the division, who better to combat Cam Newton and that style of offense and a Sean McDermott because he mm-hmm. he knew him. He was in Carolina with him. He went up against him in practice. And B just the combination of McDermott and Leslie Frazier and what they've done to running quarterback the last couple of years. Tennessee came out and said after they beat Baltimore in the playoffs last year that they followed the Buffalo blueprint from when they they really locked up Lamar last year it, in a loss. But it was one of the, the 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 games where Lamar really struggled. And so I think that you know this this Bills defense they'll they'll give Cam a tough time. They'll give this you – know, who's going to make plays? I mean, if it's not Edelman, um, is Ankeel Harry going to step up? Do they have uh, uh, Demir Bird uh, is another guy that I, I think is kind of interesting, but can you count on him? Can you rely on him? So, yeah, I think that for sure this is still the Bills division to win. I love, love to hear that. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll only keep you for a couple more minutes here, but I, I do want to talk about, you know, something that is a little bit concerning uh, from – you know, even in, in during the off season, I talked about this a lot. How, um, you know, I hate to hate to dwell on the negatives here because we are two and zero. The Bills are two and zero. They're they're looking great, but um, the cornerback play because you know it seems like he, there's Trey White and then there's a pretty big drop off there with with the number two in uh, Levi Wallace. There, he got burned a few times. Uh, granted, yes, you know the two of your best players on defense are not there, but. Levi Wallace got burned quite a few times against Miami. Uh, Josh Norman is still out. He'll be out at least one more week. And, you know, Taron Johnson is, is, is a solid player. But are you concerned with, you know, the number two corners, corner spot there? You think Levi can turn it around? Or what, what, what are you thinking? I feel like Levi's shown over his career, I think it was 24 starts going into the season in two years, that um, he's a guy that just kind of ebbs and flows. Like, he'll have moments like this where you're like, Man, he just played bad. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you go back and watch it. I don't think it was as bad as maybe we thought early on. But it's tough, too. Like, one of the – he said something really interesting about Tredavious White last week. He's like, Tredavious White is the elite zone cover corner. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's an art. You know what I mean? Like, to be able to play off the ball like that and in, in these little pockets, you have to have a, a high football IQ, very quick reaction time. There's just times where I thought that Levi was just losing at the line of scrimmage when they were pressing up. And to me, you know, I mentioned it on social media and a couple of people uh, clapped back that maybe, you know, there were better be better options. But Levi said last week that Cam Lewis is a, is a physical young cornerback. I think his exact quote was, yeah, he's even better when, than me when it comes to being physical. And so I thought, how are you getting beat play after play after play if you're getting out physical a lot at the line of scrimmage? So why not bring in – Cam Lewis in that spot and kind of almost do what they did last year with Cody Ford and Ty Inseki, where they kind of rotated them, maybe go with a rotation. Now, listen, when I think the plan long-term is, is Josh Norman, when he gets back, he's going to assume that starting CB2 role if he's healthy. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be a competition going into camp and they still, um, 
they still kind of presented it as if it was going to be a, uh, a competition. But whenever we got a chance to talk to Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott about Josh Norman, you got the sense they were talking about their other starter cornerback. So I think that they signed him with the idea that he was going to be the guy opposite Trey White. And listen, if he gets anywhere back to what we saw in 2015, I mean, they got themselves a really nice combination with him and White. And the play that he got hurt on, and he injured his hamstring in training camp, was an interception. And it was a really nice play. It seemed like he was finally starting to get him, you know, get comfortable, settle in, makes a big play, uh, really read Allen and, and picked it off. And it was like on the run back, I think it was Diggs or somebody kind of rolled up on his hamstring or mm. rolled up on his leg. And, you know, you hate to see that happen. But I think that, you know, if he can, if he can come back, I really want to see what the secondary looks like with him, with him in there. Here's our boy, Matt Perino. Buffalo Bills beat writer. Hey, mate, we appreciate you coming on. We haven't talked to you in a while. We will definitely talk to you throughout the season as long as you're willing to come deal with Kurt and his rabid fanboyness of your Buffalo Bills. <laughs> well, that's funny, dude. I, I grew up a Bills fan, so uh, I, I got love for all the, the hard, hardcores out there. And uh, No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Right, Thanks a lot, Matt. All right, take care, guys. All right, mate. Good stuff yeah. from – we had a – a big show my friend and we're still not done but uh i'm sure that you're very much raving about the excitement in buffalo right now that's probably the most excitement that you've had maybe in your lifetime for a season if i'm it, not wrong it absolutely is i mean we, we've had seasons where we start four and all with guys like trent edwards as our quarterback but that's <laughs> not this season this season just is different you know and it's the most talented team that they that the buffalo bills have had since 1990 when they you know the dynasty team four super bowls whatever this is the most talented team they've ever had since then. And it could possibly even rival that. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, Josh Allen's better than Jim Kelly or anything, but it's, it's very exciting to watch this team. And I don't know. I mean, even for an outsider too, it's gotta be exciting to see like a new team on the rise here because it seems like the Buffalo bills are kind of, you know, that team to watch for. It's not like, it's not like the, the 2019 Titans where they're a flash in the pan with Ryan Tannehill bringing them up. This this is, you know, it's been building for two, three years now where you can see they're bringing in a strong core here. They're building a strong defense. They have their young quarterback here who's really fun to watch. They bring in Stephon Diggs. It's just, it's everything's building in the right direction here. And we talked about it all offseason long is that everything looks great on paper. It depends on Josh Allen, and he has answered the call and beyond. He's played phenomenal. Um, he, like, like Matt said, he's playing better than anybody not named Russell Wilson right now. Yeah. And the things that he's been able to do, his passes look more crisp. They look more accurate. He looks more comfortable. This is a dangerous Bills team. And, you know, last year, obviously, they were a playoff team, but I don't think anybody really looked at them as a real threat to make it to the Super Bowl or beat, you know, knock off um, the Chiefs. But, now this is a team with that defense. And if Josh Allen can keep this up with Stephon Diggs, with John Brown, who's been playing really well, um, the, the duo of running backs they've got, they have a solid offensive line. This is a team that can, for real, make a run at this thing, and it's. Look, I'm excited for you, and I'm excited that, <laughs> and I'm excited that uh, we've got to see this because you know there's been a lot of Josh Hall, Josh Allen hate the past year or so, and past, I think he's, the past since he's joined this league, since yeah. he's been in the talks of joining this league. Um, but no, that that means a lot coming from a Steelers fan. I, I like that. Uh, yeah, but, you know, if if the Steelers play like they did on Sunday uh, when they play the Bills later on in November. Um, be uh, we, I could have bragging rights for another year here because my, my bills did bring down the Steelers last year, and 
I don't and know. Jeff Jeff Driscoll almost took him down uh, Sunday. So let's talk about that because before, <laughs> let's see, before the game on Sunday, our, our last show on Thursday, I told you, I said Denver's mm-hmm. probably going to win this game. You did, and Pittsburgh gets a safety, so it's twenty six fourteen. They get the ball back. They give. They fumble on the ensuing. Benny Snell fumbles on the ensuing drive after the safety. Uh, Melvin Gordon then scores a touchdown with uh, I can't remember how much time was left. I think it was like maybe. Uh, seven minutes or so left. So it's 26-21 now. In my head, I'm thinking, I'm remembering Bruce Krakowski with the Raiders at Heinz Field whenever he knocked them off. I'm remembering a few years ago in Oakland whenever they lose to a horrible Raiders team. Mm-hmm. Um, in Chicago a few years ago as well with Mike Glennon as the starter, they lose early in the season. They lost to Miami. So as a Steeler fan, I have it in my head. There's going to be some point in the year they're going to lose a game that they shouldn't. It might be really early. It might be in the middle of the year. At some point, it's going to happen. I picked Denver to win for that reason. Now, when Drew Locke went down, I thought, all right, this could be okay. And then Jeff Driscoll comes in, throws for 256 <laughs> yards. So, you know, the pass rush was there. They got seven sacks. They played well. Terrell Edmonds, man, he's made a lot of mistakes in both games so far. He allowed Evan Ingram to get open. He had a horrible pass interference call on a third down that would have gave them the ball back, which extended the drive and – Luckily, he made up for it with the game-sealing sack because he had played bad up to that point. And, look, Joe Hayden, you know I love Joe Hayden. He gets a lot of bad pass interference calls as well. He had an interception on Sunday. But they have to clean up a few things. Ben Roethlisberger threw a bad interception to Justin Simmons when he had 97 seconds to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a few things they need to clean up. Um, but the fact that they were able to prevail against a team that I do like, um, not as much without Drew Locke, but um, – the fact that they're 2-0 right now, that says a lot. That gives me a lot of confidence. Hosting Deshaun Watson and the 0-2 Texans, that's going to be an interesting one because it's going to – I was low on the Texans. I think we both were pretty low on Houston this yeah. year. Um, yep. Or maybe – no, maybe – did you have them – did you have them in the playoffs, didn't you? I I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to go back and listen to our old episodes. I right. might it might have slipped out a couple of times, but I'm really not too high on Houston. I don't think you at know, least as of right now, we're both not high on Houston. Right. I think we yeah, and so so I think I think Pittsburgh should move to three and zero. They should because Deshaun Watson's good, but that Steelers defense is just phenomenal this year. They are they're gonna set the NFL record for sacks in a season. They might, but. I I was forced to watch enough of the Steelers game on Sunday because yeah the I, uh, the Bills game got a lightning delay. There was a bunch of weird stuff. There, there was a so. the the CBS truck uh, had a power outage right in the middle of the right at the end of the first quarter going into the second quarter. I missed Stephon Diggs's first touchdown as a Buffalo Bill oh, because I was watching no. Big Ben and the Steelers for some reason. And then there was a lightning delay, so then they threw me back to Jeff Driscoll and Big Ben matchup. So. Um, wow. Thank you for that, uh, Mother Nature. But that's enough Steelers for me until the Bills and Steelers face off later on this year. Hey, that's that's fair, my friend. But, uh, yeah, the Steelers get David DeCastro back this week, more than likely. The Texans allow the most pressure. The Steelers get the most pressure. So, um, mm, okay. if all goes well for Pittsburgh, Deshaun Watson's going to be running for his life. But if all goes bad, he's going to be running for first downs after running for his life if they don't <laughs> keep him contained. So, we will see what happens going forward. Let's talk about that that – that horrible, horrible thing that happened in Dallas. Oh, because oh, man, <laughs> I was, I remember I was watching with uh, some of my buddies and I just remember looking at the bottom, the score ticker at the bottom of the screen. And I kept seeing the score and I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And then mm-hmm. it, it 
I don't, I, I'm interested to hear your take because, you know, I, I love how – I love your, your takes on the Cowboys here, but come on, Atlanta. You – don't get me started. Go ahead. Go ahead. Isn't that the most Atlanta thing in yes, the world? Absolutely. First of all, the Cowboys fumbled, I think it was four times in the first half. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's up 20 to nothing. I think 29 to seven at one point. Yep. And I don't get how, if you're on the hands team and you're just <laughs> the side kick worked last episode, last episode, we, we talked about this, how they just need to rid the NFL of onside kicks. And then as soon as that play happened, I texted you. I said, mm-hmm. onside play kick worked because Atlanta doesn't know how to, how it works they don't know how it works and they just everybody was staring at it the ball rolled I I realize I understand the rules of an onside kick that you can't touch it until it passes 10 yards but the hands team can get the other team yeah get in front of it get in front of a guy box him out like it's basketball do whatever you have to do as soon as Greg Zerline kicked it the Falcons are well within their right to Mm -hmm. run up and grab the ball and they did it I, I don't get it. You see everybody just standing, literally watching the ball go, waiting for it to go 10 yards. And, you know, we saw every analyst and their mother this week has been showing that clip and saying, you don't have to wait. You can just pounce on yeah. it. And, and uh, Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, came on Sirius XM and said, well, the, obviously they didn't know the rules. Sounds like somebody's getting fired in Atlanta. Wow. I so, mean, Dan Quinn is, should have been fired last year. We talked about that. We were yeah. talking about, you know, player or coaches that are on the hot seat and, he should have been fired years ago. I mean, Atlanta needs needs some change here. They see. I feel like they've just been the same old, same old team since they were in the Super Bowl. There, nothing has changed with that team. You know, it's still Julio and Matt Ryan show. But other than that, what's new? What is changing on that team that's going to make them better? Their offense has been really good. I mean, Calvin Ridley's been really coming up as a very good number two. Hayden Hurst had a really good game. The tight end they got from Baltimore. Uh, defensively, though, it's I don't know and. I don't even know what to say to that. The Cowboys should the Cowboys should be zero two right now. They should, as they should, and, they should, and that's why you know you you can't really overreact yet. It's it is going into week three here. It's so early, um, but Atlanta, get it together, please, please get it together. You need to beat a team like that. Those are the games where you look back on, and it's just a pit in your stomach just thinking yeah. about that game because you if Atlanta finishes you know eight and eight. They fin- They could have finished nine and seven there. That that that's a possible wild card team right there. So, um, I don't know. That's it, it was ugly, but um, I I really am uh, interested here because I've been all giddy since you said I'll be excited when uh, you find out when where you put my bills in the power rankings. So, I, yeah, you are gonna be excited. So let's wrap we, up the uh, show. Through, yeah, the power rankings before we yeah. uh, exit out here. Definitely. So let's wrap up the show and our week two recap and uh, get to our power rankings. Let's go. Do you want to go one at a time or do you want to go each of us go one through ten? Uh, one through ten. Go ahead. Because I, I, if you made any big changes, I want to I want to hear what you did. All right. Last week. All right. So let's recap last week. Last week, I had the Chiefs, Seahawks, Bills, Baltimore, Pittsburgh as my top five. This week, my top five for the power rankings. I got Seattle number one. Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind. This is the best season of his career. He's completing north of 80% of his throws. At one point in the game, he had more touchdowns on the season than in completions. <laughs> the defense didn't look good. I'll say that much. But Russell Wilson is going to give them a chance to, to win maybe 12, 13 games this year. They are playing out of their minds. 
Number two, the Buffalo Bills, Kurt. Whoa! <laughs> the, awesome. Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills are my number two team in the NFL right now. And look, yes. as, we, as we said before, you know, it was the Dolphins, and they let them kind of have a, you know, a garbage-time touchdown. I'm going to chalk that up to uh, a, a lightning delay, maybe a yes. little bit slow coming out. We'll Josh Allen, you talked about this on, on, the, on the pre-show on Thursday going into week two. Josh Allen always just does incredible things against the Dolphins. He, he and, owns the Miami Dolphins. He absolutely oh, owns the Dolphins. And then a week after setting a career high in passing yards, he goes out and resets a career high in passing yards, throwing mm-hmm. for north of 400 yards. And, look, that defense is very good. Those weapons are really good. I like Buffalo a lot. They are number two. Baltimore is number three. They beat up on the Browns and the Texans. I want to see what they can do against Kansas City. Uh, I've got the Chiefs, speaking of Kansas City, number four, just because of their performance. It's mm-hmm. weird to say that, you know, Patrick Mahomes has 300 yards passing and they win, and it's an off day for Kansas City. Um, but they were held to nine points going into the fourth quarter uh, against Justin Herbert, who played very well, and we'll talk about more, him more as the, the year goes on, I guess. Uh, so the Chiefs are number four. Packers are number five. They beat up on the Lions and put up another 40 point performance Aaron Rodgers looks great the defense looks really good so the Packers round out my top five Pittsburgh is number six uh the defense got a few takeaways but uh they look kind of hectic going down the stretch against uh an offense led by Jeff Driscoll so they need to clean something up before before Sunday against Houston but offense looked good Chase Claypool had an 80 84 yard touchdown that made me happy um Big Ben still looked good minus that interception so Steelers number six Arizona Cardinals man number seven they are playing very well Kyler Murray is probably third in my MVP voting right now if mm-hmm. I had a vote. Um, he's emerging as maybe the best dual-threat quarterback in football in terms of just his pure ability to push the ball down the field with his ginormous arm. And he's running, like, he's running very confidently right now. I like what I see from Arizona. Number eight, the Los Angeles Rams. I didn't expect anything from the Rams this year. I thought it was going to be a 6-10, and 7-9 season. But uh, Sean McVay is showing that his play calling is back in session. And – I love what they're doing. They blow out the Eagles, who I thought were going to be really good this year, and so far they are proving me wrong. So the Los Angeles Rams are number eight. I got Tampa Bay number nine, uh, a solid rebound game for them against Tampa Bay. Defense looked really good. Uh, Tom Brady connecting with Mike Evans on a touchdown. Leonard Fournette had a big game. They are number nine. And then number 10, I don't think they're going to stay here, but I can't not put them there after Sunday night, and that's the Patriots. Uh, can't play it out of his mind. Um, Seattle's defense didn't look good. Their defense didn't look good. But solely for the purpose of, you know, the performance of Cam Newton and for them competing with my number one team, I have to have them at number 10. I don't think they stay there after this week. So we'll see what happens going forward. Did you leave the New Orleans Saints out of your top 10 power rankings? I left the New Orleans Saints out of my top 10 power rankings. Yeah, their offense looks very stagnant. Drew Brees does not look good at all. Uh, I'm not – unless unless proven otherwise going forward, this could be – they got the Packers on Sunday too, so – They do. This is going to be – no, so um, if they prove me wrong, they can hop back in. But right now their (laughs) offense looks bad. Their defense is really what's keeping them together right now. Um, But offensively, they they are very, very stagnant. Okay. All right. I, I respect that. And you know, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, t- I'll take that. Um, I'll run through my top 10 here because we got about seven minutes left. Uh, All right. I got, I got the Baltimore Ravens at one. It's probably not going to make you too happy, but I just can't go against that defense. I can't go against that defense. Lamar Jackson is doing Lamar Jackson things. Um, I am very interested to see this game Sunday 
It is, or is it Monday nights? Chiefs uh, Ravens. I don't. Chiefs I don't Ravens know. is a Monday night game. So Monday night we'll game. To, that's that's we'll, going to be a we'll get big, it on Monday. That'll be a, yeah. a big game for both both teams there. Um, so I have the Chiefs at number two for me. It's they had a kind of an ugly game. I still like you know like you said Patrick Mahomes that had 300 yards. They're they're still the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the Packers at three. Another 40 bomb on another team back to back weeks. Aaron Rodgers looks unstoppable. Aaron Jones looks unstoppable. I really like their defense. I put my Bills at four. I thought I thought you'd you know you'd, you'd give me some some slack for that because um, I, I thought you'd maybe think I'd be biased, <laughs> but you have them at two, so I'm going to take that and run. So Bills are number four. I could go on and on about them. I'm very excited for them. I have the Seahawks at five, just because I was not impressed with their defense. I really wasn't. Yeah. Jamal Adams did not look very good in that game. I I, I watched it from you know kickoff to. Uh, the final quarter there and Jamal Adams had his flashes, but he didn't look great. Um, so I have your Steelers sitting there at six uh, right behind the Seahawks, just because that defense is unbelievable. Um, so I like, I like the Steelers a lot. I got them at six and the Rams are at seven. Mm-hmm. I don't know what world we're in, but I got the Rams at seven because they've just proven it in back-to-back weeks that they're a team to, uh, you know, make some noise and they're, they're not to be messed with this year. So I got Rams at seven. Buccaneers at eight, like you said, a good bounce back game there. Tom Brady uh, doing Tom Brady things with Mike Evans. Uh, their defense, I'm I'm still a little iffy about this year, but I, I got Buccaneers in there at eight. Uh, I can't leave the Saints out, so I have them at nine. I think once they get Michael Thomas back, you know, they're going to be the Saints of old. Their defense looked great in week one. Drew Brees looked a little ugly there in, in uh, last night against uh, Las Vegas, but I got the Saints in there at nine, and I got the Cardinals in there at number 10. Uh, the same spot I had them in last week in the power rankings because I just really like the Cardinals this year. I like what they did um, in the first two weeks, and I think it's going to get even better for them going down the road here. So uh, that is my top ten there, my friend. You and I are pretty much on the same page there. So I like it. I like it when we agree. Yeah, I figured that you would enjoy your Buffalo Bills being a number two on my list. So <laughs> I, I figured I would surprise you with I that. Sure did. So yeah. All right. I sure so. Did. We've got about five minutes left in the show. We'll close it out here. You can follow me on Twitter at jbaileynfl. Um, betting articles every week. Steelers articles every week. All my opinions on things you might think I'm wrong on. Um, so follow me, jbaileynfl. Kurt, where can they find you on the Twitter? You guys can find me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, Homiser, H-A-U-M-E-S-S-E-R, 88. Uh, we, got, we got so much good stuff coming this year uh, from both of us. You know, season is in full swing here, so follow along with us there. Follow us along on uh, at Laces Out PTST. Uh, always announcing new guests, uh, anybody coming on the show. So we're in the works. We're still trying real hard to get some guys on the show here. Um, it's difficult though; these guys are busy. But um, another great show. We can't thank our our, our friends enough: uh, Dan Lobby, Benjamin Raven, and Matt Perino, uh, giving us their time to talk about their respective teams. Because uh, we just love talking about any team in the NFL all the time, every day, whenever. It's what we do. And we will see you Thursday to preview week three in the NFL. Big Sunday of action coming up. This is Laces Out. We will see you then. For Kurt Homiser, I'm Jared Bailey. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we'll see you in a couple days. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.